This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast, and I'm here with Evelyn. Welcome, Evelyn. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you. Great to be here. Um, so why don't you take us back sort of to the beginning for you? Like where did, where did alcohol enter your life? Where did it all begin? I would say I started drinking in college, but not excessively then. I did study abroad one year, almost a full year in Australia. And um, Australians are very heavy drinkers. <laughs> So I would say I definitely picked up then, especially because I worked in a bar. So it was just part of my life there. Um, and then even throughout my 20s, you know, I lived with roommates and I remember some nights wine and a plate of cheese and crackers <laughs> would be our dinner. Um, and, yeah. you know, I didn't grow up in a family um, that drank. My, my parents are not big drinkers. It just wasn't really a part of my life growing up. Um, it would be something that my parent, my parents only had wine really on very special occasions like holidays. So it was not around, it's not in my family. And then I would say, um, you know, I, I just think as you get older, you just, a lot of people drink more, <laughs> not everyone, but a, a lot of people do start to drink more. And like you talk about, um, your tolerance just goes up. And so I would say, um, well, do you want me to get to the part about when I changed? <laughs> yeah. Well, where, okay. so, so what sort of happened? So you didn't drink a lot, but your tolerance went up. And, and do you have any moments in that journey that were really stick out for you? I think it was closer to when I stopped drinking. Okay. So um, I would say the last couple of years I was drinking more. And I'm the kind of person who... <laughs> I, I would just be able to drink a lot more than all my friends. And it, you talk about that too. You were yeah. able to do that too. And it's kind of this point of pride. Um, I'm not proud of that now, but right. I definitely was the kind of person who I couldn't just have one or two, sometimes even three. I always wanted more. And a few years, actually, no, not a few years ago. So last year in 2019, um, even though I work in the health industry, I had this idea that just wouldn't leave me um, something related to the business of wine. And my alma mater, San Diego State University, has this certificate program in the business of wine. So I signed up to take the intro class. And I didn't even know there was so much to learn about wine. Uh, but that class was on Monday nights, and we tasted wine in class. And some people would pour their wine out. I would just, you know, drink all of it. And it's very hard when you start drinking on a Monday to not just keep going the rest of the week, you know, and I just would drink for any and all occasions. It wasn't necessarily um, just when I was down or depressed. It was just, oh, I'm celebrating. I had a good day. I had a bad day. I'm studying. Um, I am working late. I'm making dinner, I'm having dinner, I'm watching Netflix, just, I mean, it was anything and everything. Yeah. It just became such a habit to just have, you know, two glasses of wine, probably minimum most nights of the week. Um, and 
it, I mean, it didn't always feel good, but I think one of the reasons that I didn't really examine it earlier, um, aside from what you say about, you know, we, or prior to reading your work, I knew about AA, but you think like, oh, I'm not an alcoholic. I've never had a rock bottom. I've never gotten a DUI. Nothing bad has ever happened to me. In fact, lots of good things have happened to me. Um, so I didn't have a reason to stop drinking because life was fine. I was getting my master's. I'm two weeks away from finishing that. And I, uh, I learned Spanish. Uh, I did well at work, so I just didn't have a reason to. But um, I read an article someone posted that somehow led me to something you had written. And this is while I was in that wine class. <laughs> so I purchased your audiobook and I started listening to it. And I, you know, I was really kind of shocked, I guess you could say. Um, I had just never thought about alcohol that way before. And I, I was still taking the wine class, so obviously I couldn't stop drinking then, but I started planting seeds of when I would do a 30-day experiment. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, that's so interesting, like going to the wine class. Okay, so then you got, you got ready to sort of, you were planting seeds, and did, did you pick the date, or... I happen? did. So the first time I did it, uh, I started April 1st of last year, 2019. And I actually ended up going more than 80 days that first time. And so I had listened to your book at that point. I signed up for the alcohol experiment. And that was so helpful. I have told so many people about the alcohol experiment. It's just the most amazing resource you've created. And I, I did it with my best friend at the time. She went 30 days and we checked in with each other every single day, which was really nice um, talking about the prompts that we had that day. And I think what makes your program so different is that you're journaling, you know, and you're actually yeah. thinking about alcohol and just asking that question of would my life be better without alcohol uh, and being curious about the answer. And I had never approached it that way before. And I, I think that um, my answer would have been, I don't think so. I'm not convinced, you know? Um, and yeah, I ended up going more than 80 days and then I took a trip to Mexico City and then that stopped, but you planted a seed forever at that time. So um, I started drinking again and sh sure enough, you know, soon I was back to just my regular habit. And it's interesting how that happens because you, you can't unknow what you just learned about alcohol and what it does. And I want to go back for a second and just share that doing your alcohol experiment. So I'm a self-development junkie. I've been reading self-help books since I was 12. Like that's, I would go to Barnes and Noble and just pick out books in the self-help section, but I'm a voracious information gatherer and reader, and I would never do the application part. It's something that drives me nuts about myself, but your alcohol experiment was different. Like actually doing those journal prompts, you know, it was about so much more than just alcohol. It was really just about life. So that was amazing. Um, so then I did another alcohol experiment in October of last year. And I went maybe 32-ish days. 
I think it was another Mexico little adventure. I live in San Diego, so it's always Mexico. But then I thought, okay, you know what? In January, I'm gonna I'm gonna do 100 days, and I started uh, January 1st. I did the live alcohol experiment this time, and I'm still alcohol free. So I uh, yeah, and you know it's it feels good. You know, I, I think in some ways I, I've expected even more drastic results. And I think I'm one of those people who maybe, um, you know, I thought, oh, maybe I'll become a morning person. <laughs> I'm still not a morning person. <laughs> um, or I would read about all these things that people were all of a sudden doing now that they weren't drinking anymore. And I thought well, I was already doing all those things before and just being okay with that, that it didn't have to be so drastic. And, uh, you know, who knows what the future holds. It, it might still, things might still change a lot, right? I think that doing a year is, is uh, really awesome. And it has been kind of easy. It's just not hard anymore. I don't, I definitely don't get physical cravings. Sometimes I get maybe a fleeting thought of oh, a glass of wine would be nice right now, but then I'm able to just think, okay, would you really just have one? No. And yep. it's, it's just not hard. So such great awareness. I love it. Yeah. So thank you. So, so one really interesting thing about this interview in particular, Evelyn, that we had discussed previously is, so you're also a podcaster. And you are getting ready for your hundredth episode, and um, you actually wanted to interview me, and so we were thinking, "Oh, that would be cool. Why don't I interview you and you interview me, kind of all at the same time?" So, how did that all come about? Like, tell me a bit about like your journey in podcasting and stuff. Yeah, so I started a women's health, like functional medicine, nutrition podcast in 2013 called Elevate Your Energy. And uh, I've done 95 episodes, but I have taken a break for about two years, uh, almost maybe a year and a half, um, because just being in school, it was just too much. Um, but I started getting this idea that when I, because I want to do five more episodes, because I feel like 100 is just a nice number to get to. And I may keep it going after, uh, once I get back into the groove. But I always had this idea because you have influenced me more than anyone else I've interviewed on my podcast and I've interviewed some big names in you know the field of functional medicine and nutrition but you've personally made such a big change in my life and so um, when I emailed you and your team I just you know asked if you could be my hundredth episode and then they asked if you could interview me and I thought oh my goodness <laughs> I like to ask the questions <laughs> so yeah that's so great so, so um, what else do you want to talk about about your journey and then what, what questions do you have for me? Fun. So something I've, I've been thinking a lot about because I'm in the health field, um, alcohol, so there was a lot of cognitive dissonance and you talk about this, right? We have two minds about drinking. I feel like your voice is in my head. We want to drink, but we don't want to drink. Yep. And I especially felt that working in the health industry, because I know alcohol is not good for me. It's not good for women. Probably no alcohol at all is best for women. And yet um, what I see in, um, and I, I work in the integrative functional medicine. And so I don't know what it's like in conventional medicine, but when you go to conferences, they have healthier wines there 
you know, so it's, it's okay because it's a healthier wine, you know, it doesn't contain pesticides, but I still felt incongruent because sometimes I would ask clients to drink less, but you know, I would, I would be drinking and I, uh, I have a couple reasons why I think that I, I really needed to stop drinking, but also why I liked it so much. So I'm going to get personal here, but I'm, I'm an open book, but I've had candida overgrowth for a long time. And I know that there is more I need to do with my diet. And I, I know I can be more compliant. I also knew that giving up alcohol, like without giving up alcohol, I would never be able to, to get better. Right. Because I couldn't change my diet and still be drinking. And so towards the end, toward the end of um, when I was drinking more, I really became a fan of hard kombucha. Mm. Um, you know, in, in San Diego, it's, it's really big. And I already have yeast overgrowth. So here I was giving myself like more yeast strains, more sugar, and I would feel really good actually. I, I would feel better than having a glass of wine. And so I had this false idea. I knew it was false, but I would think, oh, well, it's making me feel better. I feel better than I felt all day since having this. But the reason is, of course, my gut bugs were so happy. They were rejoicing with alcohol. And that's not good. That's that's messed up, you know? And then I also have hemochromatosis, which is just iron overload. It's um, It's a genetic thing, or I have a genetic SNP for it. And so my iron levels tend to be high at times. And uh, it's just a condition in which your body, it's not manifested yet, I have SNP for it, but it's where your body absorbs more iron from your food and alcohol itself already enhances iron absorption. So it was like a double whammy for me, you know, like another reason to just not drink. And then I often think about, you know, immune health with COVID right now. I know people are drinking more. I talk to friends and I, I, I'm not judging at all because I've so been there. And I know if I was still drinking, of course I would say, oh, there's not enough wine to get through 2020, you know? Yeah. Um, but that's not the case, you know? So it's just so nice to be on the other side of that and to not feel like I need wine. Um, so, and another thing I used to do is uh, because I knew the alcohol, the damage that alcohol did, I would take supplements like liver supplements and B vitamins and magnesium and everything that alcohol depleted. So I would just take it in supplement form and thought that I was like getting away with it. And it's better to just not drink and cause all those deficiencies <laughs> in the first place. So I thought I was outsmarting, you know, everything. So. Oh, it's so, it's so interesting. Like the cognitive dissonance I think is so much stronger in a few different sort of circles like the the places that i've really noticed and especially people that i've i've interviewed about it are people um with religious backgrounds that don't allow you to drink like mormon i think mm -hmm. it, it really escalates like the guilt and the shame when you are drinking um in uh like really first responder so interesting i interviewed like a um EMT. And basically when you're first on the scene and 80% of the call outs are alcohol related, yet you're going home to, you know, have a drink to unwind from all the trauma you just endured by seeing all of these horrific things. 
there was like just this huge like compartmentalization. And then when right. it stops being so compartmentalized, it does become just massive cognitive dissonance. And I think obviously the other one is in healthcare. Um, and, and I think also in just people who are very intentionally healthy. So people who are like a lot of people who are yogis and who are you know doing all the right things with what they're eating and how they're exercising and you know being organic and you know it's interesting too because i think that there's such a play right now in the marketing world like there's naked yes. lines, organic lines and all of this stuff that's like oh look we can be healthy too i'm like well except for the fact that it's a known carcinogen um, right. there was a crazy article that just came out that says only 50% of people know that alcohol is a carcinogen and big alcohol wants to keep it that way. And I was like, yeah, I'm sure they do. <laughs> Cause you can't yeah. disguise. <laughs> so funny, the organic thing. So I buy all organic food, of course. Like I don't want pesticides on everything. Yet I was probably drinking gallons of pesticides every year in the form of wine. And even though I bought organic wines, not all the time, but um, sometimes or often at restaurants, you can't get those. Right. Uh, a lot. So yeah, it was definitely a, uh, it, it did induce some guilt for sure. Uh, not just the 4am guilt, but just overall, overall guilt, you know? Yeah, so true. And that, that guilt, that cognitive dissonance, I think is just one of the, um, one of the places that it's either an opening to do something about it and get curious, but I think the best way to get curious is with a huge dose of self-compassion, or mm -hmm. it is a, a place where you just drink to kind of turn that other voice off, which is you know where I was for years before actually, you know, using it as an opening to do something about it. Yeah, and um, I see this in the healthcare space in general um, that, you know, sometimes like I've done, I've given up alcohol for 30 days before when doing an elimination diet, you know, where you're testing food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. um, Cause usually you have to give up alcohol and caffeine at the same time. But I was white knuckling my way through that. And that's what I just love about your approach. That's so different. And I think maybe doing an alcohol experiment with an elimination diet is kind of a lot, but I would probably recommend to people that they do the alcohol experiment first and really re-examine their beliefs and then maybe do an elimination diet. So it's your thinking isn't, Oh, I can't wait to have a glass of wine at the end of 30 days. Um, yeah. yeah. And I work with a lot of health professionals in my job. I work for a supplement company designs for health. And I've shared my story with um, some, some of the doctors and other healthcare professionals I work with, and um, people are open to it, uh, you know, but I have gotten a little pushback sometimes, um, like one doctor, uh, oh, I was, a, I was talking about alcohol use disorder versus alcoholism, because I didn't know about the difference until I read, uh, read that in your book, which is crazy because the definition you said it changed so long ago, um, but he, he didn't really believe that. And so I thought, okay, well, there is another way. And some, that's something I've, I'm, I'm passionate about too, is even though I'm not sharing it super broadly, if it comes up, you know, it's more um, me talking about myself in the context of, I haven't even had any wine this year. Can you believe it? Me, yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how I talk to my friends about it. Like me of all people, I haven't been drinking. 
Um, but just sharing that story, people are open to it. And one of the reasons that I want to share it more, especially with healthcare providers, is that um, people lie when they fill out the, how many drinks a week do you drink? I mean, I, mm -hmm. I'm not 100% honest on those. And now it's so nice. I just, do you drink alcohol? No, zero. <laughs> um, but to know that there's another way because I think people are so, I, I, I don't have, I don't know a lot about AA aside from what I've read, but um, I think that one of the reasons, like you said, I think this is your story too, you didn't change anything because you think, well, I'm not an alcoholic. So, and, and there is another way and where you don't need to think about it all the time. It's, I don't, like, I, I just don't really think about alcohol that much. Maybe when I'm reading more alcohol-free stuff. <laughs> and occasionally yeah. I do pop into like the Facebook group, um, the Facebook groups that you have. And I love reading other people's stories. Uh, actually, this is one question I wanted to ask you. Because you said that alcohol for you is something that you, you don't even think about. But you are running this giant alcohol-free movement. So all you do all day is talk about being alcohol-free how, how does that work? <laughs> oh, it's really interesting. I think it's probably in the similar way that like what you do during the day um, is, you know, it, okay. I obviously think about drinking a lot in the sense of, I think about helping people and how can we reach more people and, and what are the best things to offer and what do people need and listening to where people get stuck and coaching and all those sorts of things this podcast for example um but it doesn't hold any emotional charge for me personally mm -hmm. so i think that's probably the differentiating line like it used to be if i wanted to do something that i wasn't allowing myself to do so for example like a perfect example is you know the times that i try to go on a sugar fast, or I'm like, okay, I'm not drinking caffeine for a while because I've just really been overdoing it. Um, and then if other people are talking about coffee or going for a Starbucks run or whatever the case is, I am emotionally involved in that conversation at a level that it's like, oh, it's like mm. uncomfortable. Yeah. And I would say that, you know, a better way to say that I don't think about it is I don't ever, I'm never, it, it doesn't have any emotional charge for me. So mm -hmm. there's never a time when I'm, you know, doing this work and I'm like, um, yeah, feeling like emotional about, like, it doesn't mean anything about me, I guess. So that that's the difference. I heard this great distinction recently and it was basically like, what is the difference between judgment and observation? And judgment is when you make whatever it is mean something about you. And so mm -hmm. I can, you know, very much if somebody was going on a coffee run when I'm not drinking coffee, I would have a lot of thoughts all to do with me, to do with my fact that I really want a cup of coffee, but I'm not allowing myself to have one, or maybe they should stop drinking coffee because, you know, don't they know that it blah, 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 or whatever the case is. And, um, and I, I do think I had a lot of judgment in my early days of not drinking a lot of judgment of other people's drinking, because I was still making it mean something about me. Like, um, did I make the wrong choice because everybody else is acting like this is a non-issue. This is no big deal. Did I, am I really the one that's wrong or am I, really missing out on something. And then I think you probably know the part of my story where I actually did the actual alcohol experiment, locked myself in a room and got drunk by myself about three, four months after I stopped drinking. And 
like after that, I was so free because I realized that all of those, like I wasn't missing out at all. Like the thing it, I had the feeling of being drunk and not scratching the itch of, you know, curing the withdrawal, which is half of the pleasure, if not more of alcohol anyway, is scratching the itch that the other alcohol that you drank before has created. And so when I got drunk without having any physical reaction or dependency, because it'd been months since I had drank, I sat there and I looked around and I was like, huh, this is not that cool. It's kind of like the first time you ever drink where you're like, I just felt dizzy. You know, I just felt weird, but it wasn't, it wasn't this end all be all thing at all. And in fact, it was the opposite. And I think that was sort of the turning point where for me, um, it stopped being like, there was never judgment. It was just observation. So, oh, that person's drinking a lot. Oh, that person might be drinking in my house. Oh, that person's drinking right next to me. Oh, that person brought, you know, a bottle of wine for us because they don't know that I don't drink. Like, it was just interesting. It was just facts with zero emotional charge because it had no meaning in my life. And so I think that is, I guess, the better way to say that. Mm -hmm. You made me think of an association that I used to make because I thought, okay, so when I was drinking, especially at night, I would have these just brilliant ideas sometimes. Um, and I've realized now it wasn't the wine. It was just, I'm a night person and brilliant ideas, or at least I think they're nice, you know, come to me anyway. They come when I'm driving, they come in the shower, they come at night. It wasn't the wine, but I somehow thought it was the wine or sometimes at night I would have a good buzz going and then I would put on a Spotify playlist and just really feel the music, but I can still really feel the music <laughs> without the wine, you know, yeah. and same with, I had this association, I, I guess I had a lot of associations for both positive and negative things with, with wine or with rosé. Um, like I loved sitting in the sunshine, having a glass of rosé, but when I sit in the sunshine now, and whether I'm having sparkling water or nothing, I get that same sensation. It was actually just the relaxation and the sunshine, you know? Yeah, totally. Uh, that was a big I, thing. I feel like every time you do something new for the first time, you have to be really aware that there is going to be a question mark in your mind, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's another point where for me, it went from like any emotional charge to no emotional charge was once everything was kind of done for the first time. And I actually remember, I have a, a video about it on YouTube because I actually, by that time I was like published and everything was in, you know, the book was out there in the world. So when I went to my first wedding and I wasn't drinking, it was, it brought me back to that, like, oh, I have to understand that, like, just this question mark that's going to appear, which the question is, is this really going to be as fun without a drink? Am I really going to enjoy myself without a drink? I don't know that I have been to a wedding in my adult years without a drink prior to that wedding. And so it's this big question mark. And so I go into this wedding and right before I like film myself, I'm like, okay, here I am. I'm feeling kind of nervous. So family members I haven't seen in forever, you know, and then it was my cousin and, you know, she's Jewish. So there's a whole break the glass and um, this kind of ceremony around like the rabbi was talking about wine and, and the tradition and all of this stuff. And, 
And I'm sitting there and I'm seeing it from this perspective of like, this is thousands of year old tradition. Like this isn't just evil. And, and that was interesting too, because I think it was another evolution in kind of the whole process of going from like, no, this is just evil. Nobody should be doing this to be like, wait a second. Like nothing is evil. It's just how we take it and use it. And what we do with it in our lives that create the good or the bad outcome, like the, the thing itself. And then I did some research on it. I was like, oh my gosh, like alcohol actually saved lives, like lots of lives right now. It's saving lives because of the pandemic. I mean, hello, it's enhanced sanitizers, 99.9% alcohol, right? So like, it's actually like the substance itself isn't necessarily bad. And even back you know, in ancient times when there was so much bacteria in the water, right. the alcohol would do the same thing it's doing for the virus. It would kill the bacteria. And so they were fermenting water. And I was like, okay, like, and kombucha, like, this is another great example of like, obviously, like you can make kombucha more or less alcoholic, or you can take the alcohol out at all. But kombucha is like a very, you know, generally healthy thing to drink if you don't have candida. Um, and all of these things. And it was just this evolution of, wow, it's not black and white it's not yeah. all good or all bad. It really is circumstantial. And, and that was a beautiful experience, but I went into it with trepidation. And I think that's true with these associations like sitting in the sun or um, whatever the first thing is, when you do it, you have to do it the first time and then you have to do it again. And the first time, to, if the first time is, is you know, uncomfortable on a scale of like a hundred, the second time is uncomfortable on a scale of 15. I mean, mm -hmm. it's incredible the, the improvement in just one repetition of breaking that association because your brain is like, oh my gosh, I just had a false belief here. It's just not true. You know? And of course, then I did a follow-up video of that wedding the next morning and I ended up staying out super late dancing with my son I had a great time but of course it was it was the first time so there was that question mark is what's real is it the fact that you know my belief subconsciously was certainly that alcohol made weddings fun but mm -hmm. of course that's not true you know my son was there with me he was like seven and he had a great time yeah I so the experience that I have not yet had that always involves drinking is travel and of course I don't know when I'll be traveling again I'm usually talking about international travel you know um, I mean I do live close to Mexico and used to take day trips um, including to the wine region here in Baja but I've done some other bigger Mexico trips but I'm originally from Europe and so I, I do wonder what that's going to be like Yep. You know, and I, I don't want to say right now, oh, well, I'll never drink again. And you even say that, that you're not saying that. It's just, I choose not to, you know, I don't have to drink, but I do wonder, um, and it's not something I'm actively like worried about, but when I do go back and in my wine class, I learned about all these other amazing regions of the world that look so beautiful <laughs> that I feel like I need to go to. And could I, could I go to Europe and travel there? and see my family there and not drink. And I think I could, will I feel like I'm missing out? I don't know, you know? And I guess the only way to, to find out is to try it whenever that happens. Um, but I, when I look back on trips um, that I've taken in the last few years, even though, you know, yes, I would go sightseeing and wake up like relatively early to go do all the things, but then at some point, you know, in a lot of countries, you wine with lunch but then at some point in the afternoon it's like oh let's go get a drink and then you keep drinking through dinner and then you have after dinner drinks and so drinking has always been 
just a big part of a trip. And uh, I guess I'm excited about the possibility of not spending all those hours drinking, you know? Yeah. Um, but it'll be interesting because that's just, I mean, I'm picturing in my head all of the squares in big cities in Europe. That's what everybody's doing, sitting outside at cafes, drinking and smoking sometimes. So. So if I was coaching you, um, <laughs> I would say that make yourself a commitment that you're going to try it once without. So, you know, and, and, and how I like to frame this to people that I'm coaching, I'm like, just, just agree with yourself ahead of time. Don't have overly positive expectations, but certainly don't have overly negative expectations, but allow for the fact to be like, okay, if I go to Europe and everybody's sitting at a cafe and I'm literally sitting there so miserable that I have to just leave and go back to my hotel room and cry, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do one trip to Europe without drinking. And I'm going to give myself that experience. And here's why is because, and then promise yourself, say, if it's miserable, like with my alcohol experiment that I was telling you about, I literally entered into that with like, okay, if I'm totally wrong about this and all my friends, like I'm over, because everybody told me I was overreacting by the way, when I stopped drinking, because they're like, you're not the one I was worried about. I didn't see you having these sorts of problems. So-and-so is the one who should quit. Right. And so I was like, maybe they're right. And, and during this alcohol experiment, I literally was going into it with the mindset of like, okay, if this proves to me, like it's an experiment. If this proves to me that it really is this incredible elixir and it's amazing and it enhances my evening so much and it's so much fun, you know, then I'm going to rethink this. But if it proves to me to be otherwise, then I'm going to, I'm going to be led by that. And the thing is, is that you can't break an association without giving yourself the other experience. So it's not a fair experiment if you go into it and you're like, I'm going to try not to drink. Um, but, but again, promise yourself that, okay, fine on my next Europe trip, if this is miserable, then I'm, I'm right there with them. Right. And, and maybe that can be a little solace, be like, everybody's out here. I'm drinking my sparkling water. Now I'm so upset that this just sucks, which between us, I don't think that is going to happen um, over and over. <laughs> I, I see people, but, but what does happen, the trap of it is when people go into it trying, when they say, you know what, I'm just gonna try. Like, I don't know, it might be too hard, but I'm just gonna try. And like Yoda's like, there is no try. Like it's, you know, but but it's true. If you maybe means yes in these situations. And I'm not saying that you just have to like teetotal forever. But what I am saying is if you don't give yourself one solid chance to break the association, the association just will remain stronger. Especially because after this, how much, fun is Europe going to be. So if you have a drink in like the, like, I mean, geez, just seeing friends, like when we came out of lockdown was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. So if you go on a European trip, it's going to be so incredible. And if you have one drink during that time, you're going to be in the situation where you're like, well, um, I guess it's true. I guess Europe is totally, you know, not okay without a drink. This is like your brain, it's just going to so solidly reinforce that connection. So I think that, you know, to give yourself the best, like to approach it kind of quote scientifically, you do have to just allow that, like, I'm just going to do one time. It's just an experiment. If it's miserable, then next time I will drink, you know, I'll even treat myself when I get home, you know, whatever the case is, but, but just giving it that one time. And and people fall into the trap when they don't. And then that connection is just reinforced. Yeah. It's like a romantic notion, you know, just yep. romanticizing everything. Oh yeah. yeah. Thank you for no, that. I, 
I had it, like, actually used to use that excuse of being European. So I'm Belgian. I lived there till I was almost 12. And I say, well, Belgian beer, like it's just in my blood. I need it just like I need yeah. chocolate. <laughs> Belgian beer. It's another thing I used to use to justify drinking. And I'm not even a big beer person. <laughs> so. so I know all the, all the things we use. Um, yeah, absolutely. Well, anyway, you'll have to let me know because I think it will be really cool. Will do. And I think something you said um, that was so helpful for me was just making that decision of just, I'm not drinking. Yeah. It's not a, maybe I won't drink this. Well, it was going to be a hundred days, but now it's a year, but now it's just like, no, I'm just not drinking. It's just not a big deal. And that I, I never imagined that that could happen until I read your book and listened to you and, um, yeah, I, and I, I want more people to know about this, you know, um, because I, I just feel like if everybody did the 30-day experiment and actually did the prompts, the journaling, and it, it's just amazing what you learn about yourself and you realize it's just not that bad. And once you know that, sure, you can go back to drinking, but you... <laughs> you don't forget what you learned, so. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. And I think your approach that you've discussed with me so far about talking to doctors um, is spot on. I mean, we like we now have an institute, this Naked Mind Institute that certifies coaches. And a few of our coaches are, you know, have various certifications outside of this Naked Mind and um, are in the healthcare profession and do speak with doctors. and or naturopaths. And it's like, well, how do you get um, somebody to, to talk about this stuff? Like, how do you, how do you have this conversation? And I'm like, it's always the best way to have a conversation about this is to share your own story mm -hmm. and your own benefits. Because when you do that, you know, then it opens up. Um, we have, we have one woman who actually works with, uh, she's a nutritionalist as well. And so she wants to talk to her nutrition clients about maybe not drinking, but she doesn't want to cross that line in a way that's like really brow beating or shame based. And so she now has an approach where she will, um, you know, just be like, I know that this is one of your goals with your nutrition, like maybe your candida experience is, is very appropriate here. This is one of your goals. Well, did you know, you know, based on my experience and, and knowledge, like what alcohol does with this and make it very, very specific and, um, and very much with your story. And I think that is just, it's going to be awesome to tell people. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh, I hope that your approach just, I mean, it really should just be used everywhere. You know, um, however I can help, I, I, I want to, you know, help get more of this naked mind and the alcohol experiment out there. And the fact that you offer the alcohol experiment for free for people to do, I think, you know, that's just amazing. And what it's does somebody getting have to better, do? maybe even by the time this is published, this will be out, but we are working on an app for it. So it'll be a web app and Google app and, and the Google play store. So the free alcohol experiment will be so much more accessible and easy to use. We have, it's pretty clunky software right now. And um, I'm really excited about that. So that should be either coming or it might already be out depending when this airs, but um, yeah, it's really cool. Awesome. So Evelyn, let me ask you, and I love your name. I was telling this before we got on, but my grandmother's named Evelyn, such a beautiful name. Let me ask you the question that I asked kind of to 
and these, which is if you were going to go back in time and talk to yourself about what life is like now on the other side of this, what would you tell her? I would tell myself to not be so afraid, just try it, just see what happens. Even if there are parts of it that you don't agree with or that, like just try it, just give it a shot, just give it 30 days, see what happens. Um, don't think, oh, this doesn't apply to me. <laughs> Actually, when you were talking, I don't remember what prompted it, but something you said in your book about how wine doesn't actually taste good. I thought, well, Annie has not taken a food and wine pairing course of my wine program, <laughs> you know, but it, but it is true that wine itself, when you don't have it with something like that first sip, it's just not actually that good. Uh, but yeah, so just, just give it a shot. Just try it. I obviously wish that I had found this sooner. I, you know, it, it's hard not to go back. And I think a lot of people probably answer this, but to think, gosh, I could have saved like a lot of years of damage to my body and my brain. And I can't dwell on that, obviously. I'm just so glad I'm doing this now. So yeah, that's such a great perspective. It's so important. Yeah. I think that, um, yeah, regret it. It's nice to know, but then you have to put it down because it just doesn't serve you long-term, but that's, that's really cool. Yeah. You know, Annie, something I didn't share that I just thought of, um, because I did say that I got the impression a lot of times that a lot, that others, like when I was reading Facebook posts had these dramatic, drastic life changes. And all of a sudden they pick up all these new hobbies and life's amazing. And I felt like I, I was already doing a lot of that stuff. So I was like, Oh, what? you know, like what more can happen. But something I have noticed is that I feel like I can handle life better. And there have definitely been moments in 2020 where I did not feel that way. However, overall, that has been a key shift in like my mental health, I would say. Cause I definitely, gosh, I can't believe I forgot to even mention this, but I've struggled with depression and anxiety, like on and off, you know, and a lot of times it was situational, um, but I feel like it is more manageable now. And that's a huge part of what you talk about in your book is it makes those worse. And we think that it makes them better and it doesn't. So I, sorry, I just thought of that now that that was something yep, important I wanted to share. It's so important, it's so vital because, um, I mean, I literally drank because I thought that it was the antidote to anxiety and to helping me manage that. And it gave me, you know, very, very small 20 minutes per drink, probably respites from that, but it on the whole made the problem so much worse. And when I could see that clearly, it was really liberating and, um, yeah, it's so, so important. That's so great. Well, this has been awesome. Thank you so much, Evelyn, for coming on and doing the dual interview. Super fun. And I'm excited for your podcast as well. Um, where can people find your podcast? Yeah, it's just Elevate Your Energy on um, the podcast app or uh, Spotify, <laughs> Blog Talk Radio. It's on all of them and elevateyourenergy.com. Very cool. That's great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. If you asked me about the one thing that makes this Naked Mind so different from anything else, 
I would have to say emotion. It is the emotion that people feel when they're really ready to make a change, when they've had that mindset shift, when they've gone through all the materials and the methodology, and they get this feeling that it's not that they never get to drink again, it's that they never have to drink again. And interestingly, according to all sorts of new research, it is emotion, especially positive emotion, more than anything else that predicates how long a change will stick, how long it will last. It is emotion. When you feel excited about the change in your life, when you feel thrilled that you're making this new difference, instead of feeling deprived or like you're missing out, everything changes. And it really makes it that this naked mind can stick for the long term. If you want to know more about how to truly change your emotion around drinking, I want you to join me at nakedmindpath.com. It is the path to changing your emotion, changing your feelings, and really finding freedom in your relationship with alcohol. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.